This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Welcome back to another episode of Macam in the Middle. Two episodes so far, two wins so far. Long may that continue. Sunderland did travel to Burn Albion yesterday, getting a 3-0 win, thanks to goals from Charlie White, Grant Ledbetter and Lyndon Gooch. And John and Graham are with me to talk about the game. How are you both getting on? You well? Very good, well, thanks. thanks. Yeah, very well. And John, a win against Doncaster last week, a win in the semi-final midweek, takeover completed. 3-0 win yesterday against a team that we haven't beaten in almost four years. It's not a bad week for Sunderland, is it? No, it's definitely not the worst week we've had, is it? Um, I was When that um, stat came out, um, I was obviously thinking to myself, when was the last time we had um, a really good week? And I genuinely I genuinely couldn't tell you. Um, it's, yeah, it's been it's been a very good one on and off the pitch. And, you know, that's, like we said, that's been a long time, long time coming. Yeah. And Graham, a lot was made of Lee Johnson coming in. Um, and, you know, with a new manager coming in, you kind of expect that bounce. When he first came in, we didn't really get that. Fans were quick to say that. But do you think over the last few weeks, we've started to see the change, started to see what he will form the team? Yeah, I mean, um, I wouldn't say I was critical of him, but I was kind of starting to be a bit like, well, has that much changed? There's been the odd win, the odd point here and there, but there's still been the rubbish performances that we've seen with the Parkinson. But um, one thing I've always said about Sunderland managers is that I think you've got to have a certain kind of character and almost a bit of, um, you've got to have a broad pair of shoulders to, to be a manager here. Certainly in my lifetime, yeah. there's been sort of Peter Reid has been successful, Allardyce, Poyet, uh, Roy Keane, obviously successful. And I think Mick McCarthy, another one as well, all brought a level of success to Sunderland, um, despite the circumstances that surrounded them at the time. And I think if you look through all of those names I've just mentioned, they've all got a character. And whilst Lee Johnson is probably a slightly different character to the likes of, well, he's probably the polar opposite, isn't he, to the likes of Mick McCarthy and Sam yeah. Allardyce, um, probably more in line with maybe the the sort of poet element. But he's very... He's very David Brent, which is actually quite an easy thing to attack him with and attack a lot of people with. But I think he's got a character. Like, I quite like him. Um, Obviously, you can hear things a bit more on the telly and you could hear him sort of screaming at players when it was, I think it was 2-0 or 3-0 yesterday. And and Burton, I think it was 2-0 actually, and Burton were getting on top of us a little bit. Encouraging Um, to press and that, wasn't he? Especially in the latter stage of the second half. Yeah, that's what I saw. And I think um, the players seem to respect him. And I think whilst McGeady got an awful lot of stick last year when he got dropped, and a lot of people said, oh, well, obviously he's, he's disruptive in the dressing room, and we'll never really know. Um, but I think McGeady, you would think, based on his experience, knows what a good manager looks like, and I think that's probably why Phil Parkinson and him didn't get on very well. But yeah. um, I think when you look at how happy McGeady looks, both with the ball at his feet and the smile on his face, it's, his, it's good things for Lee Johnson, um, and he's turned Charlie White into... 
basically a League One Messi, I think, overnight. So I, yeah. I can't complain about that. That's that's pretty good going, isn't it? Yeah. And John, just on Lee Johnson then, as I say, what you can hear from him in the second half against Burton. You know, three and a look, five minutes to go. They're down to 10 men. The game's already won. Um, but he still wasn't satisfied. You know, he was still encouraging the players to press at every opportunity. Still screaming at players if they were making a poor pass or a poor decision. You know, if you go back to Phil Parkinson and a couple of other managers we've had um, since we did drop out of the Premier League, the um, I, I suppose ambition wasn't really there, but with Lee Johnson, it seems to be there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's it's about standards. Uh, we know, you know, the standards before probably fell short of what what we should expect throughout the whole club. Um, but even you know, we know that even if we're three 0 up. You know, 85 minutes, if they nick a goal back, we know as Sunderland fans, you know, we're in a bit of trouble. Um, yeah. So we, we can't afford to to let standards slip in, in, in any way, shape or form. Um, and that comes, you know, even from pressing in the 85th minute. Uh, I think you you did it, uh, Johnson, yesterday and Frankie had to apologise, didn't he? Because Johnson was saying, I think it was something like, just fucking keep the ball. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's quite late on in, you know, we're 3-0 we're up, cruising. You know that's that's the standard. We can't let that drop one little bit. As soon as soon as you do, obviously we're you know we we know it's it's we're we're going to be in a bit of trouble. Um, and you know for what we want to achieve and what the aims are, that's certainly um, the standard that we have to set every single game and and not let it slip. Yeah, and we'll look at Sunderland team that did start the game and there was a change of formation. And um, Sunderland did post out that it was a three four three, although it seemed to. Should it be a fluid 3-4-3 slash two up front? Obviously, O'Brien and McGeady kept switching sides. O'Brien sometimes went up front with Wyke. But Lee Burge started in goal. A back three of Conor McLaughlin, Deion Sanderson and Luke O'Neill. Lyndon Gooch played in the almost wing-back role. Max Power and Grant Ledbetter in midfield. Jake Hawkins came back in the team with the front three of Aidan McGeady, Charlie Wyke and Aidan O'Brien. And John, you and Danny both predicted the side. Didn't do particularly well. You lost me a lot of points on the leaderboard. I think we lost seven out of eleven, right? But were you surprised with the change of system and personnel? Um, I was sort of surprised when it came out, um, but obviously then the circumstances. Obviously before it, we didn't expect Bailey Wright to be out, uh, which he was. Um, we haven't got you know many fit centre backs, um, so it was. It, when you looked at it. I was, I'll be honest, I wasn't that impressed. I was a little bit worried. Um, but the, to be fair, the players, you know, stuck to it. And it it worked really well, which we don't normally see. We're obviously, you know, round pegs in round holes. We go on about it quite a lot. But, you know, the round pegs in the square holes at the moment, they are they are doing the job. Um, so that yeah. that's a massive positive. Yeah, it's like a Lee Johnson analogy, that. Quite technical. But Graham, Graham, looking at the bench yesterday, um, obviously, other than Remy Matthews, every single player was a midfielder of some sort. Obviously, Jordan Jones is a diamond um, winger of some, um, I suppose. But uh, with the injuries, we've got five first-team centre-halves injured. Uh, obviously, Bailey Wright injured. I think he'll be back shortly. Tom Flanagan, I'm not sure how far he is away. Jordan Willis is out for the season. Jamali, I haven't heard anything about since he first got injured. I think Ross Stewart will be back soon. Do you think and or expect the club to be in the free agent market soon? Um, I think it would be probably quite easy to look at yesterday's performance and say, well, we don't need to. We're, we won 3-0 with a changed system. We got to a final with 
basically a midfielder and a right back at centre half. So it'd be quite easy to kind of settle on that and be like, no, no, it's fine. Um, I think a lot of it will hinder on when Flanagan's back and and how much they expect Flanagan to to not have a hiccup. It's very summoned for us to not go into the transfer market and potentially get a couple of injuries. I think it reminds me of Steve Bruce a few years ago when I think we saw Darren Bent and he said, I'm going to stick with, I think it was Jan. He said, Danny Welbeck's coming back soon and then I can put Cessna on the front if I really need to. And Welbeck and Jan all got injured in one game and there was an audible groan around the stadium when, when Asimo Jan pulled up with his hamstring injury. So it'd be very sudden for us not to go into the market and to, yeah. and to end up having a couple of injuries. I think it would be wise, but I think at the same time, um, I mean, the good thing is the wage cap isn't there anymore. As far as I'm aware, that I think that's immediately in effect. So you could yeah. potentially look into the into the free agent market and say it's someone who maybe I don't know, like a like a McFadden or something like that, like a specialist centre back that. Is available? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I think I'd avoid him. <laughs> I think I'd avoid Joel Lynch because, yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of him. Um, but just somebody who, you know, you could sit on the bench and you could say, like, look, when you, you might not get a chance, but when you do get a chance, you know, prove that you deserve a contract next season. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about the the loan window. I'm not sure if that's at the emergency loan window shut. I don't know the ins and outs of what that would be. Um, uh, I think we might. I think... I'd like to think we will because it would be very easy to sit back and say, oh, well, it's fine. We can shoehorn McLaughlin in there. We can shoehorn O'Nine in and, and change the system. But I think touching on what Danny Collins and a few players have said, you know, recently over the, the past couple of weeks, formation sometimes is just a case of, you know, something to look at. Depends how the players are playing and, and the, the the game plan, so to speak. Um, we didn't look that different in the way that we press and stuff from the Doncaster game and the formation was completely different. But I think I would like to see us go in for someone who's maybe got a bit of experience, like a Tommy Smith kind of signing like we did last season. I know that's someone who did nothing at all, but Tommy Smith was, if the season had played out normally, it would have been there for any massive emergencies. Um, And I think would have been quite happy to have been sat on the bench or, you know, in the 18 and occasionally getting on the subs bench and only coming into play when there's an injury. Um, that's going to come or an injury crisis so something like that would be would be sensible I think especially if we want to achieve automatic promotion the last thing we'd want to do is have a great run and then see Dion Sanderson get a leg break and all of a sudden we're stuck with McLaughlin and O'Nine and send her off might as well get a specialist one in there while we can yeah definitely um, well the game got underway at three o'clock and as we've seen a lot recently something did take an early lead um, in McGinney with a short way kick I don't think it was something that we were really working on in the training ground because Ledbetter, or Catmull, as Bert were calling him, um, <laughs> you know, he didn't didn't really seem to know what was happening. But McGady's played a short free kick to him and he's just placed it very well in the bottom left corner, John. Um, when we take an early lead now, we seem a lot more confident of actually going and getting the result. Whereas, you know, if you go three, four, maybe five weeks back, every time we went 1-0 up, we sat back, we conceded, and we never really looked like getting back into the game. What do you think's changed since then? Uh, I think I think it's with with Johnson and uh, sort of playing playing forward. We we know obviously one goal isn't good enough um, for us to win games. Um, so we really do we really do need to push it. Um, scoring early obviously sets you know sets you up to you can sort of almost not relax, but you can you can sort of play your game because the other team need to come to come on to you. And I thought we are actually good at 
at controlling games, not always, you know, controlling and, and obviously at proper attacking. Um, it's more of a case, of let's, let's control the games, let's build, pick our moments, and that, that gives us a bit more, maybe a little more, more freedom to play, um, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And well, not long after, we went 1-0 up. Um, I think it was all 20 minutes after we went 2-0 up. Uh, a corner was sent into the box. It was Cleet the Gooch on the end, edge of the box. He's hammered it in off the bar. Um, and Graham, we've spent a long time talking about how frustrating short free kicks were, how frustrating short corners are. Um, but we're now getting the ball into the box and we're scoring goals from it. You know, do you think Lee Johnson's kind of just admitted that short corners aren't going to work, short set pieces aren't going to work? We're getting the ball into the box. We're in League One. If the ball's in there, anything can happen. And, you know, we're getting the results from it now. I think it's a, um, probably an unpopular opinion, but I quite like a short corner, me. Um, I think it's just making sure you. you... Yeah, people seem to hate them, but I think something like statistically you score more goals from short corners than not. And but what happened with a great deal of success um recently, I think McGeady, uh sorry, it was O'Neill's goal. Uh, MK Dons was the one short corner. And if, if I'm honest, that was kind of because Ada McGeady's shot was probably going well wide and it just landed at O'Neill, yeah. who who did really well to stick in the bottom corner after you control it. Um I don't mind them, but I think if they're not working, then it's quite good that he's looked at it and, and changed it. I don't think he'll go against it completely. I think he might go back and be like, lads, this is what we've got to do. Um, I just think in League One, it's short corners can kind of get closed down immediately. It's Sometimes it's a bit... It's not the best of football, is it? Sometimes League One and, and kind of doing the basics sometimes and making sure you're closing down a short corner can sometimes be, you know, the basics of a League One team. But I, I don't mind them in general. But I think... Um, I think the Burton keeper yesterday for, for Gucci's goal was very Remy Matthews, wasn't he? The way that he kind of just ran out, completely missed it. But it was nice that we took advantage of it. Like we've so many times that um, we've seen clubs against us just like chuck a ball in the box, like Gillingham. Um, so Burton probably in the past have probably done the same. Just sort of flung the ball into the box. Our keeper has fumbled at it or the defence has sort of panicked and got miscommunication. And they always seem to score from it. Sometimes it happens to us because, you know, I think a lot of League One teams have a keeper that can drop a ball. That's why they're in League One um, and have a, you know, a relatively shaky defence. It's not, it just doesn't have that much quality in this league, if we're honest. But um, it was nice to see Lyndon Gooch actually take advantage of it. And the finish was great. It's like the best way to finish a goal, isn't it? It's getting it off the underside of the bar. Yeah. It's the, just the best kind of goal to score that. Um, and it was nice to see Gooch have a good game yesterday. Um, I was I was kind of shot at during the week, during the, the Sunderland Echo live stream for saying, I think he's sec- I was second most technically talented player. People thought I was talking rubbish. But I think I think Lyndon Gooch's performance yesterday shows why I think that. Um, mm. I think technically he's a, he's a very good player and I love the way that he he doesn't just get to the byline and, and sort of swing a ball and he can do that but he also like seems to get into the box and, and create real danger because he's strong he's strong and he's yeah. fast and he's got tricks he's um, f- for me he's the kind of player where if we do go up I wouldn't have any issue with him being in a championship team Yeah, and John just as Graham said there obviously Gooch did have a good game yesterday um, in the last podcast that we did, we did speak with Danny about the lack of goals from elsewhere. Obviously, we did say Grant Ledbetter was our second top scorer. Um, I do believe it's actually, well, before yesterday, it was actually Chris Maguire in all competitions. I think he had six in all competitions. But Ledbetter's on six now. Um, Lyndon Gooch has scored again. Um, I think he's been one of our top scorers in the last few seasons. It's nice to see him getting some goals again. Yeah, definitely. We're saying, you know, the burn has been on Charlie White. Um, a lot of the season, so it's nice. It's nice to see those midfielders stepping up and not just um, not just penalties and 
and free kicks is you know is coming from open play as well. So, you know, that's that's a massive positive if we can add that um, to our game. And obviously, we've still got you know the likes of sort of Jordan Jones, who you would hope he'd still be able to chip in with sort of four or five, and Diamond maybe you know maybe a little bit of a stretch, but you know sort of at least a two or three um, with the amount of games we've got left. So with people taking taking their chances and maybe even you know. With the, the set pieces as well, with um, 09 in the team, Sanderson, um, and those sort of players in the box will, you know, help Wyke on, on like, say, set pieces and corners. So it's it's, it's a massive positive um, going forward. Yeah. And um, well, we did go in at halftime 2 0 up, Graham. You know, we've said it against Lincoln in December. Um, we said it against Doncaster. We said it again yesterday. Do you think that first half performance is up there with one of the best performances we've seen this season? I felt very comfortable. I felt very happy. I didn't shout at the TV as much as I have done in in previous games. Um, I, I think it was a really... like I think people are looking at Burton as the team that are bottom of the league, and, and yeah, they are, but yeah. um, they're, they're not the Burton that we probably came up against beforehand. They've, they've brought in 11 players, and they've brought in 11 decent League One players as well, and there's a reason that big they... Players, well, I think they were all six foot plus. I think someone's... Yeah, like, all big guys, all under the age of 12. 24, I think it was. They've brought in like a, a whole starting 11 there of, of players. Now, obviously, I know they haven't all played as starting 11, but there's a big change in players. And everyone three out of the last four, and I feel like no one's really mentioned it. That was, I think Lee Johnson said he was, um, it was one he was worried about. And I think if yeah. you think of the changes that went in, the amount of games that were playing, um, how fragile we sometimes can be against sides like this. I think yeah. I sat at half time and I thought, Blumnell, I haven't even worried for a minute here. I think, um, I think the game management as well was just throughout the match was excellent like I think we just yeah. managed the game so well and that's one thing Sunderland just haven't done for ages yeah um the second half did start we stepped off a little bit and um, you know kind of as you'd expect we've had three games in a week and um, a lot of injuries a lot of players playing there that probably shouldn't be playing there at the minute but up until O'Brien was involved nothing really happened but O'Brien ran a ball out of play there defender reacted O'Brien reacted it all kicked off and Josh Earl was sent off for a second yellow John I don't think he can really have any complaints with that, although I saw some Burton fans still complaining, but such a stupid thing to do when you're already on a yellow, on a, already on a yellow card. Yeah, very silly. Uh, if that was, you know, if that's one of our players, I'd be, uh, I'd be raging with that. Um, it's nice to see uh, a bit of a collective spirit, you know, Max Power sort of diving in and um, O'Brien getting back to his feet quickly and sort of having a, having a pop back and a few of the others jumped in. So it was, it was nice to see on that thing. Um, I don't, I don't moment. think it, yeah, I don't think it. After that, I don't think the game looked like it was it was ten v eleven. But like Graham said, I thought, especially after the after the red card, I thought we just we just controlled it and used that extra man just to just to ping it round them, and they they, they couldn't get near us. Yeah, and um, we did make changes in the second half. Five of them: Jack Diamond, Jordan Jones, Carl Winchester, Chris McGuire, and Josh Scone all came on. John Jones was involved straight away. He's played a ball through to Wyke to finish for his 22nd goal of the season. Um, we were a little bit surprised not to see him start, Graham. I'm not sure if you were. Obviously, he joined in, mm-hmm. joined the club on loan in January. He started the one game against MK Dons in the Cup and hasn't really played too much since then. Um, I don't think he started since then. Were you surprised to see him on the bench yesterday, given that Gooch had started the last two games? I was until I seen the formation, and I don't think he's. Um, I don't think he's the kind of player that could have played in that formation so much, unless he went up, up top instead of maybe O'Brien. But I was surprised. Um, 
obviously Jordan Jones is someone that I think a lot of people from the Northeast know from Middlesbrough Academy. Um, yeah. If anyone watches Scottish football, he obviously was excellent at Kilmarnock and there's a reason he got his move to Rangers. Obviously, that's a club I've, I've watched quite closely for a long time. And um, whilst he might not quite be Rangers standard, he's very much League One standard, if not above. Um, but I think it goes down to you know, how well we're playing. I, I think he's... He's also not played much football um, from memory. I don't think he really played for Rangers since about September time um, when I think he played against Motherwell and then he had his, his COVID situation where he broke COVID protocols and so on and so forth. Um, maybe he's just like blending him in and, and, and whatnot. But I think in a sense, the way Gooch played yesterday, the way O'Brien played yesterday, the way McGeady's playing in general, it's it's difficult to find a place for him. But um, I, I don't think it's going to be a case of we won't see much more of him in the coming weeks he obviously offers us something a little bit different he's a lot more direct um he's better on the left from what i've seen than he's on the right he's right footed i think um but he yeah. cuts in and obviously that's mcgeady's place but the way the way mcgeady plays he just plays anyway he's just taking the mick out of people yeah. at the minute so you could just put mcgeady in the 10 if you wanted and put jones on the, the left it's it's a lovely conundrum to have like o'brien's completely proven me wrong at the moment and long may it continue because i thought he was utter tripe um, up until sort of Lee Johnson came in really, and since then he's been excellent keep ramming those words down my throat Aiden I'm, I'm more than happy to accept it um, McGeady's a joke at this level um, he's he's literally an absolute joke Like he's, he should never be at this level even at his age now he's he's such a talent and always has been um, Lyndon Gooch I speak really highly of Lyndon Gooch I always have I always will um, and then you've got Jordan Jones just sitting on the bench and Jack Diamond is I was going to say he's, he's a bit rough around the edges which um, I think is an understatement but um, he is he is kind of a rough diamond really you know like for, for want of a, a, a better phrase he's when he comes on he, he has a bit of a go he's learned to cut inside he stretches defences um, and I think Lee Johnson's maybe looked at you know the the attacking abilities that we have in the team. And he's probably gone, why are we even like, why was Phil Parkinson trying to defend one of the leads occasionally when you've got yeah. so much attacking intent? Um, and I'd like us to be a bit tighter at the back um, in general, because I think sometimes under Johnson we've been caught when we needn't to be caught. But with that kind of level of attacking press at this level, um, that Jordan Jones can't even get into the team at the moment. When he was kind of signed like a statement signing in a way, wasn't he? Everyone got really excited by him. I think it speaks volumes about how well the maybe the front four playing Gucci, O'Brien, um, McGeady and, and White. Yeah. And John, even when you you look at the squad, um, obviously Denver Hume's injured. We have four or five centre-halves injured. Um, Ross Stewart still hasn't played. He's still injured, although I think he might actually be back for the game on for the game on Tuesday, because I think it was seven to ten days, I believe he was quoted to be out for. So he could be involved. Um obviously this few players just come back from injury. It's nice to see that we still have a lot of options on the bench in them games where you know you've got tired legs against a team that you know we can really exploit. You see Jack Diamond, Jordan Jones coming on, fresh legs, two really talented players for this league. You know, it's nice to have them options, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we know that whilst we've been down here, you know, we've had one of the better squads um, in the league. Uh, we're very lucky, you know, the bench yesterday, I put a tweet out saying before the game, the bench could probably win the league if it didn't have Remy Matthews on it. Um, but the, yeah, the, the options from the bench yesterday, especially the, the team was quite makeshift um, when you think who was missing um, and it still played still played so well. Do you know what I mean? And we were able to bring Scowan on, who's been, um, you know, a regular 
for a long time. Uh, Winchester coming on, who you know just tidied stuff up. Jones um, is obviously a massive threat, as is Diamond, as is uh, Maguire. So it's nice, you know, no one else is going to be able to bring those those players on, especially playing. You know, we're playing Tuesday, Saturday every week now, which is what most teams are. But most teams aren't going to have the squad and the quality and the capabilities um, that we have going forward. Yeah. Um, well, the game did finish 3-0, um, albeit it could have been 4-5 once again. But another clean sheet, another three points. And I think Hull dropped points. Um, Portsmouth, I believe, dropped points. I think they lost 1-0 with Black- Blackpool. Graham, when you look at the amount of games we have left, you know, the form that we seem to be in, um, you know, Lee Johnson's getting the best out of certain players. You've got Charlie White playing like his prime R9 in League One. Um, <laughs> is, is there any reason why, you know, as a fan base, as a club, we can't be looking and thinking, look, we can actually win League this season. I know we're nine points behind top. I think we're eight points behind second. Give or take, there might be a couple of points between that. But, you know, with 19 or 18 games left, we're in good form. Um, you know, our next four games are very winnable. You've got the teams above us dropping points. Is there any reason why we can't be looking and thinking we can actually win the league? No, not not at all. But I think um, probably the curse of Sunderland is that whenever, especially at this level, whenever one performance away from an absolute crisis. Um, mm. And I think whilst I expect the pressure to probably tell, especially on Peterborough, because, well, for all due respect to Peterborough, um, they do bottle it often. Um, so... I don't see why they wouldn't do it again, but they've won, I think, the last four. They're sitting on 55 points. Um, they've got a relatively strong defence, conceded, I think, 25. I think we're about 24. Um, but they scored a few more goals than us as well. Um, Peterborough are looking good. Lincoln, for me, I think they've, they've drew a couple of the last few games. Obviously, we've matched them once and probably beaten them in that semi-final as much as I think when people get beat in semi-finals of pizza trophies to pretend they don't care I think everyone wants to win a semi-final that'll from a player's perspective could give us a bit of advantage as well um my worry is because we're not going to win every game at the end of the season um even if we go on like a a Roy Keane-esque run like we did in the championship in 2007-2008 I think it was we lost at Colchester uh three games before the end and it looked like that could have Duffed us, and then we played Burnley on the Friday night, and Carlos Edwards scored from 40 million yards, and the rest is history, as we know. But um, it could have quite easily derailed people forgetting that Burnley game. Well, people don't forget; they remember it quite fondly, I think. But we went, obviously, we drew, went one-one, missed a penalty. Uh, Burnley went two-one up, and then Carlos Edwards, and, and so on and so forth. And, and we turned that round, and we got the last game of the season, and it was a case of fighting for the championship. So even if we go on to like a, you know, the next 20 odd games win. Uh, the next 10, say, my worry would always be what happens when we don't win that game when, you know, say, like, we're coming against Pompey away and then it goes 1-0 or something or we draw away to Accrick and Stanley. I think um, we've, we've kind of got to take any knocks we have on the chin a little bit because they're going to come, absolutely. I think we need to make sure we don't lose all our confidence that we've built up. Remember how good we are in this league by the fact that we've trashed Doncaster, we've trashed Lincoln and they're both in the top four. We beat Peterborough, their second. Hull could have quite easily beaten and we weren't even on good form. The only side that's came up against us this season that I genuinely thought looked impressive was Portsmouth and Portsmouth bottled it as much as we have in the past couple of seasons. I think when the knocks come, we've just got to take it on the chin and just say, look, the quality we have in this team, especially with Aidan McGeady back in it, 
we can beat anyone on this day. You're not going to win every game. We've only lost one. Let's go and win the next five. I think the more we win five games on the trot and then draw one, lose one, win the next five games on the trot, I, I don't think this season and the past few seasons have necessarily been a case of us being uh, putting together horrendous runs. It's just been the occasional stupid draw and the occasional stupid defeat here and there. Um, and then when Parkinson was here, obviously it was a few too many uh, one-one draws. And especially with Jack Ross, I think what we've got to do, I'd rather win five, lose one, win the next five, lose one, win the next five. I think it just makes sure we don't get stuck in a rut of if we do lose one, we draw the next one. And then we, we kind of like scrape another one, one, then we win one, then we lose one. Let's just start winning games in bunches. Um, so when we do lose one, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And John, you know, you look at the teams that were beaten, um, you know, as Graham said, we beat Minkton 4-0 and then beat them in a semi-final. Um, obviously, we played Hull in the, I think it was the first game of the season in the Cup. Um, I think that we drew 0-0, lost on penalties, but, you know, that could have easily been 3 or 4, maybe even 5-0 on a different day, the way we played. And um, obviously, drew with, with them 1-1. Beat Doncaster 4-1, nice and easy, nice and comfortable. We're capable of beating the teams around us, the teams that attack us, but... Sometimes the worry with Sunderland is beating the teams below us, not being able to break them down. You know, as much as you need to win the games, especially going into the latter stage of the season, it's just as important to not lose the games. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think yesterday was probably a, a better result for us um, than maybe, the, you know, the Doncaster one and, and the Lincoln one. We've, you know, since we've been down there, we've managed to, you know, match these teams, if not get, you know, get a result against them. Um, we always seem to rise, you know, to the big games. But since we've been down there, we've never beat, you know, Burton Albion. That tells you, tells you all you need to know. So <clears throat> obviously, like Graham said, there's going to be the odd bump and bruise, you know, because we're not perfect. Um, but, you know, results like yesterday, um, which, you know, looked like the potential banana skin. Even even Johnson said it, you know, he was worried about it. We, we probably all were, to be fair. Um, but if those if those results keep coming, then, you know, it can only bode for, um, success going into, you know, the business end of the season. Yep, definitely. Um, we will move into the player ratings, and I'm sure there's going to be a couple of discussions between me and John on a couple of these. Um, <laughs> but Lee Burge started in goal, made some decent saves, looked comfortable throughout. Um, you know, since he was dropped and Mary Matthews came in, he came back into the team. I think he's looked a lot more assured, a lot more confident in himself, and I think that little break out of the team's done him quite well. Um, so I'll give him a 7 out of 10. John, I'll start with you. Yeah, I've gone for seven. Uh, I thought he was steady. Um, and as well, he's he's been very good with his feet, um, keeping the ball, you know, with the with the centre-backs, especially playing with different centre-backs. Um, and like you say, a quality save to, to tip that one onto the bar, which, you know, keeps us in the game. So, yeah, I've gone for seven. Yeah. Great for you. Yeah, I think I'll let go of that. I think um, I understand the, the frustration at Lee Burge, especially before, obviously, the... I think it was the shortest game where he got dropped. But I think um, I think Lee Burge probably gets a bit too much criticism. He's kept a lot of clean sheets this season. He's yeah. can sometimes frustrate me, palm it out to people like he did against Lincoln, and that can be frustrating. But he looks he looks confident. Um, he communicates well. He's he makes the mistakes that sometimes League One goalkeepers make. He's certainly no John McLaughlin, but that's not really his fault. Um, I think yesterday he he pulled off a save. Which, if that had gone in, you're starting to kind of worry a little bit, and you've got a, a horrible last 20 minutes as opposed to a one where you can just enjoy the last 20 minutes and be like, 
score a third like we did. So yeah, definitely a seven a clean sheet. You, you can't ask for much more than that. A clean sheet and a save to to keep the score um, or, or keep our our net from bulging. Yeah, first one we're in agreement with. We'll see how long this lasts. <laughs> Conor McLaughlin played as the first centre half. Um, you know, I've always said with Conor McLaughlin as a fullback, as a wing back, I absolutely despise him. Um, as part of a back three, as a centre half, I think he's he's more than capable at this level. Um, you know, he's comfortable on the ball, playing them nice and easy passes. His positional awareness is good. He won his fair share of balls in the air. So again, I'd give him a seven, John. Yeah, I've gone for seven as well. I thought he was very good, uh, very assured on the ball. Um, knew when to, you know, to get shot and knew when to, to bring others into place. So yeah, I was, I was very impressed with him, actually. Yeah, seven. Green for you? Yeah, similar, I think. Um, I think it's a weird one, Conor McLaughlin, because I would have probably said he's one of the worst right backs I've ever seen in my life for, uh, last season. And yet this season, when he comes in, I'm like, ah, oh, not bad. Like he's decent. I know he's not going to do anything stupid. He's not going to give anything away, which is kind of what I expected him to do last year. Um, and I think he started in quite nicely yesterday. I don't mind him in the three. I actually don't mind him too much at right back when he plays. He he does the basics. He's certainly not as He's certainly not the right back I would want because I would have liked someone to be a bit more attacking. But I think um, when he when he's played this season, he's been more than fine. Uh, mm. I, I've got no real qualms with him this season. And yesterday, yeah, part of a defence, I kept the clean sheet and barely got touched. So seven, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Dion Sanderson came back into the side, and I think I would have liked to have seen him play more this season. Obviously, since he joined, I know he hasn't played much. I've always been impressed with him when he has played. And again, yesterday, he impressed. Recovered very well when Burton attempted to counter. He's got the pace, put a great tackle in early in the first half that kind of set the tone. Um, you know, he's comfortable on the ball. He's good in the air. Not much more you can want. Possibly harsh this one, but I've, I've went with a seven as well. Possibly a seven and a half I'd go with, John. Yeah, I've gone for seven. Um, exactly um, what you said. Very, very commanding. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was talking. And he, he, you know, he looked, he didn't look, you know, like a young... Um, a young sort of twenty-one-year-old did he at all? Uh, looked very assured in there. I probably only, it probably would have been an eight um, because there was there was a couple of moments where we just we just lost possession just a little bit, a little silly. But that that's his age, and you know that'll come. Uh, but yeah, he was he was very good for me. I got no no problem with him being in there for the rest of the season. Yeah, good for you. Um, eight for me, Dion Sanderson. Um, yeah. Far and wide for me, the best player on the pitch yesterday, and there was a lot of candidates. I think. Um, I've seen someone discuss the comparison between Johnny Evans and Dion Sanderson and get a bit of stick for it. Uh, I kind of understood what they mean. Obviously, it's a completely different class of player. Johnny Evans is probably the best centre-back I've ever seen in my lifetime for something, if not maybe Steve Boulder, someone like that, who obviously great centre-offs. But I, I get um, what he meant in the sense by at this level, like a, a variation of someone who's that classy and that composed and that kind of assured. And he's, I think he's 20. And he's like barking yeah. orders and he totally took that um, Bailey Wright role. And it would have been quite easy for him to crumble with like Luke Nine, who's basically a midfielder at the left-hand side of a back three in a new formation. Um, and, and Conor McLaughlin on the right-hand side. Uh, for me, he was absolutely superb. I'm really surprised he hasn't played a lot more. It's disappointing for Jordan Willis, but um, controversial opinion here. I think based on what I've seen of both of them, I think Sanderson's probably a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. I would. I think I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, Luke O'Neill. Luke O'Neill started on the left, um, and Graham said he's a midfielder. 
which I think is a very controversial opinion as well, because I think <laughs> he has played absolutely everywhere on the pitch. And when I say everywhere, I literally mean everywhere. Um, obviously, I've said in a previous podcast, I think he came on as a substitute and played as a second striker for the last 15 minutes of a game. But again, comfortable on the ball, picked up an early yellow card, which slightly affected him going into tackles and, and defending, but he managed it well. Um, so again, I'll give him a seven, John. Yeah, same, I've gone for seven. I thought he was very solid. Uh, one of his battles and was uh, all his headers. I didn't see him, him lose many one-on-ones. Um, and we know he's doing a job for us um, in there. I probably prefer to see him in midfield, but obviously needs must at the moment. And yeah, I thought he was I thought he was very good in there yesterday. Great for you. He's just standard to go nine and he? you can stick him in goal, stick him up front, stick him wherever you want. He'll always do you a job. Um, I certainly don't think he's a centre-half, 100%. I would be terrified if uh, Luke nine played at centre-half for the rest of the season. Um, but in games like yesterday, you know, against, shall we say, one of the Leicester sides in the division that are not going to challenge us as much as maybe Portsmouth did, because I remember he played a... A similar position against Portsmouth and really, really wasn't great. One of the one times Lugo 9 wasn't good for Sunderland. But um, yeah, he was just, he was quite assured yesterday. It didn't, he was unnoticeable in a way. Um, and I said the same in the game against Lincoln during the week. Like, there's something quite nice about when you're going into a game and you're kind of worried about a certain player being in a certain position and you mm. kind of just forget that there because he's just been that assured. Um mm. Luke I really like Luke Nine as a player. I think he's got all the, the basic raw materials and a cracking personality, which you know, obviously, I think a lot of people agree with. Um, I don't yeah. want to see him there on a regular basis. I certainly don't want to see him playing that formation on a regular basis. But um, needs must yesterday, and he came through more than unscathed. He came through having a good game. So seven for me. A lot of sevens so far. Um, yeah. Lyndon Gooch played on the right. Um, you know, against Lincoln, I think I give him a four out of ten. I thought he was our worst player when we played the semi-final. Um, and I did say I think he would be dropped. I thought Jordan Jones would come in, but he wasn't. And he's shown yesterday why he wasn't dropped. It was a great finish for his goal. Put some great balls in the box that we didn't actually make count um, enough. Great work to, great work rate throughout. Um, so again, I've, I've given him a seven as well. John? Yeah, same. I've gone with seven. Uh, I thought he was excellent. Um his work rate as well. He was actually going past players and really strong player and hard to, to get off the ball. Uh, excellent finish as well, um, which we like. You know, the midfielders bring goals to their game. Um, and I thought when he uh, moved to, it was sort of like a on the left side, um, I think he kept uh, that Johnny Smith, who was lively, kept him quiet. Um, and I think they actually brought him off in the end because he was getting no joy at all. So, you know, yeah. more more excellent versatility from Johnson. Yeah. Uh, and Graham, for you, I, I really, really rate Lennon and Gooch. Um, kind of as that's kind of uh, reiterated before, sort of earlier in the in the pod. I think he's one of our better players. Uh, again, I, I don't think the position he played yesterday is necessarily his position. That kind of right wing, right wing back, but he, he fills in quite well when he's asked to do that. I think he's a bit more. Uh, I prefer him advanced, put it that way, but. He's obviously got a lot of competition competition in that area as well from at the moment. But for me, uh, Lyndon Gooch was, I think, only because of the the performances of a couple of other players. Sanderson mentioned one. He's, I'm probably putting it further down than I actually thought he was. I think on any other day, Gooch might have gotten eight. But because a few more players stand out, I'm going to say seven, but a, a high seven, if I can have that. I thought he played very well yesterday. Definitely can. Um, Jake Hawkins came in as the left wing back. Um, 
obviously we expected McFadden, or should I say John expected McFadden to start, um, but Hawkins came back into the team. Um, similar to McFadden, in fairness, I think he looks a lot better in the wing-back role than he does as a full-back. Um, he looked more capable on the ball, he looked more confident on the ball, but he was still caught out of position a few times. So I've given him a 6 out of 10, John. Yeah, same with one for 6. I thought he was OK. Um, he was beaten by uh, Johnny Smith a little bit too easy, but to be fair to Matt, Johnny Smith is you know, a very good League One player, so I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Yeah, going for you. Um, yeah, uh, probably his best game he's had for us so far, but I don't think it's going, don't think it's saying too much, is it? Um, controversial opinion, I still think I prefer McFadgen. Um, Denver Hume, if I, if I really had to <laughs> choose one of the three, um, obviously, but I think I, I just prefer McFadgen. But something about Wilkins that just worries me a bit. There was a couple of times, I think it was Bostwick, put a few angled balls across that left-hand side and it was catching us a little bit. And I know he was in a more advanced role than he normally would be or has been when he's played for us. So obviously he's normally a little bit more advanced than what he would have been at left-back. But I was quite impressed by how he got forward. Um, I think a couple of more inches on him, he, he might have actually bagged a goal yesterday when that ball went in across and... I mean, I don't know, he connected with it horrendously, but he, he was better yesterday and you can see why he's highly rated at Southampton for his ability going forward. Six, six for me, I think. But, um, you know, more performances like that, I, th- I think I might feel a bit more confident in him. Uh, I just think we just need to, I think he just needs to be told a little bit about his defensive duties because I think sometimes it's a little bit easy for the ball to go over his head in that left-hand corner. I think teams will exploit it. Um, and as much as that's probably what Southampton want for him to work on is, you know, to get tortured a little bit and have that kind of League One experience to bring him back. I don't want it for Sunderland. I want that to be cut out. And I feel like, surprisingly enough, as poor as McFadden can sometimes be, I think McFadden just got a little bit more. And... Yeah. And um, moving on to the midfield, and we're going to start with Max Power, who you know he kept the ball moving in the middle of the park and. Um, Obviously, he's been playing at right-back quite a lot. He moved into mid- midfield against Doncaster, did well. Back in midfield yesterday, did well again. Um, organised the team around him, but he just didn't do anything particularly much to stand out for me. So, I went with a six. I know John will have something to say, so go on. Yeah, well, I've gone for seven. I thought he, I thought he was excellent in the middle. Did the simple things well. Uh, kept us ticking. Uh, was barking orders. Um, first one in when... Um, uh, a few of the uh, Burton players tried to um, start on Aidan O'Brien. I just thought it was a really all-round, just sort of a solid seven performance from him, uh, which we don't always see. Um, I'm not his biggest fan, uh, but yeah, I thought yesterday I thought he was I thought he was uh, decent in the middle. Seven for me. Yeah, going for you. Really, really similar to what John said. Um, I'm not his biggest fan, Max Power. In fact, I'm probably one of his biggest critics. But um, past few weeks, really good. Don't know what's kind of happened with them. But um, what I've enjoyed, and I think I can't take this as something I noticed someone else mentioned it before, and I definitely would agree with that. I can't quite remember who it was, so apologies in advance. But um, I like the fact that a lot of the players are taking more risks. I think I talked before at some point about how our players tend to like playing the five, ten-yard passes that are simple and safe and no one really takes responsibility. I was watching Max Power yesterday and he was taking responsibility that I've been asking for for weeks from him as a captain. He's like he's trying the more tricky balls. Like He seems to have more confidence in the likes of like McGeady and 
in Gooch and O'Brien and, and White to keep the ball. And if he can try something a little bit more flashy, then he has the trust of the people in front of him that they'll make something of it. And so he's trying it more often. So for yeah. me, yeah, he's, you know, more of that from him because that's what I've seen in Max Power at the at the start of his tenure here when he first came. Um, I, I think when he first came, he looked exactly what I hoped he would be and then he just went off the ball. Um, but the past few weeks, he's looked a little bit more like the, the Max Power that I that I hoped he would be. And I mean, the, the biggest compliment I can give Max Power is the fact that I've copied his haircut in the past few weeks, so he must be doing something right. <laughs> John's been sporting that one for a while now, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, he copied me. <laughs> Donald O'Brien, to be fair, didn't he? he? He went down the same route, didn't he? He did, yeah. Must, I think that it makes you harder, isn't it, if you're bald? Well, it certainly seen that happen for uh, for Aidan O'Brien yesterday. He kicked off, did the whole Phil Mitchell, didn't he? Kicking off and all that, which I thought was brilliant, by the way, all those gifts and memes. That was super <laughs> banter. Um, starting alongside Max Power was Grant Ledbetter. Um, and this is another one I think John will go different with, but same as above, um, same as Max Power, kept the ball moving. Um, not particularly as fast as Max Power did, but you know his passing was decent, as it always usually is. Um, but he's got the added bonus of getting the goal. It started the started the game off well for Sunderland, so I'll give him a seven, John. Yeah, same. I'll go for seven. Um, I thought it was, it was probably because uh, he did give a few balls away. It was a little bit frustrating, um, which puts us under pressure a little bit. So it was it was going to be a six, but obviously he scored, so that that doesn't knock, um, knock him up one one thing. And it was um, it was a quality finish to be fair, and sort of set us on our way. Yeah, and Graham Peel. Very much the same. Yeah, seven, I think. Um, he gets a bit of stick Grant Ledbetter sometimes, which is a bit... It's a bit odd. The only thing I can think about, the reason he gets a bit more stick was because he surprised us all so much with how good his early season performances were that we kind of maybe expect more than we were expecting from him at the start of the season, if that makes sense. I think we all thought he was... I think, to be honest with you, a lot of people thought his legs had gone and he was done. Um but he's been one of our most important players this season. When when Ledbetter plays well, Sunderland tend to play really well. I agree with what John said. There was a I think there was one particular ball where he pretty much put Burton almost to one goal yesterday, and I was a bit like, oh, what are you doing with that? But um, I like Ledbetter. I think he, he keeps us ticking over. He's excellent to have on the pitch when you're 2-0 up because he'll just keep yeah. things simple and basic in the middle and keep it ticking over. And I thought he took his goal really, really well. Um, and I think he's on about seven for the season. I know there's a couple of them that are penalties, but a few of them have been absolute screamers from outside the box, like Doncaster. And it was a, a good finish yesterday as opposed to a screamer. So for me, yeah, Grant Ledbetter, uh, one of our better players this season. Um, I certainly prefer when he's on the pitch, if I'm completely honest with you. I probably wouldn't have started with him yesterday, just based on how well the team played against Doncaster, but obviously with the change in shape and the change in formation, then fair enough, that that's fine. Um, and I thought he played well yesterday, and obviously his goal got us on the way. All I'm saying that, we're saying about Ledbetter, but for all this, as far as we know, it could be Lee Catamull, according to Burton. So <laughs> maybe the seven should be going to Lee Catamull as opposed to, uh, as opposed to Grant Ledbetter. Definitely miss Lee Catamull. He was always one of my favourite players. Played well, considering I've never seen him, but... I know. Seven out of ten. Um, Aidan O'Brien was a controversial one um, and again I think John will have a different one for this as well but aside from fight with every Burton defender uh, I don't think he did too much in the game he didn't do anything wrong but 
as part of a front three, I think I would like to see him do a little bit more. Um, I know the only thing I really remember him doing, which could just be my short memory, was having an effort just curl past the post. But outside of that, I don't think he really offered too much to the game. He's got the work rate. Um, you know, he's good with his simple passes, but I'd just like to see more from our attackers. So I've, I've went with a five. It's a very shy five. Don't want to say it too loudly, but go on, John. No, I've, I've I've given him a seven. I thought he was I thought he was really good, um, considering um, sort of after a few weeks ago, um, I thought he held the ball up really well, uh, brought others into play, which you know normally when the ball goes up it doesn't stick, comes straight back, and we're we're under the cosh. I thought he did very well. I thought he was bullying their players. Um, yeah, I was impressed. Like you say, we we made me want to see more of a goal threat because um, he's sort of playing um, sort of opposite side to McGeady, but we know he's not a McGeady type player, but. Um, for someone who we didn't, you know, under Phil Parkinson, we didn't really see or know of him or care. Um, but now and yesterday, I thought, I thought he was very good up there and helped helped Wyke as well. Yeah, I thought he was very good. Yeah, agree with you. Very much the same. Yeah, um, I actually thought it was one of his better games, Aidan O'Brien, and I'll be the first to openly admit, like if I. If you got to see what I, I'm like during the game, like if you ask my girlfriend when I'm watching the game, Aidan O'Brien's the one that's going to get the most stick from me, him or, or Josh Gowan. Um, and recently, I've, I've been nothing but full of praise for him. Um, I love when a, like a player can prove us wrong. I love that because there's nothing better than having an egg on your face if it's towards the, the benefit of, of your club. Do you know what I mean? You're, some people, I think, don't like being wrong. I love being wrong if I'm criticising a player. And I think Aidan O'Brien's doing that for me. I think his work rate's really good. I think he's actually probably more important than we expected him to be in this Lee Johnson team because I think Lee Johnson wants a high press. And I think in the way that a lot of people look towards Charlie White and how he does the high press and, and how he's actually full of energy as opposed to just being a target man. He's more like a poacher, like a, a pressing forward if you're a football manager player, is Charlie White. But I feel like um, Aidan O'Brien's got a bit of credit for how he helps Charlie White. But I think... Um, also on the defensive side, it, like, you know, if you watch the game yesterday, almost every single time Aidan O'Brien's pushing right up. And I think when you see Josh Earl reacting the way that he did yesterday, because Josh Earl got the yellow for taking Aidan O'Brien out in the first place. So his first yellow was for the free kick that we scored from. And I think yeah. if you look at the fact that Josh Earl reacted the way he did to him, that's probably because of how much he was annoying him just by consistently being on his heels the entire game. Um, eventually Joshua, I think, just reacted to it and just, he was like, I'm annoyed at you. You know, it gets annoying when you've got a player that's like basically standing on the back of your heels and standing on your toes, like pressing you high. Um, mm. And as much as he's a, you know, a centre forward or a tackling midfielder or like a, a number 10, so to speak, um, I thought, you know, but by the, the width of maybe a post, he would have had his own goal yesterday and I thought it was a nice bit of footwork. But I think his work rate was phenomenal yesterday. Um, and I thought... His work rate is probably going to go unnoticed, and his performance is probably going to go unnoticed because of he did the dirty work, and sometimes doing the dirty work helps you loads. Um, and I thought, I actually thought him getting Josh. Oh, I'm seeing him getting Joshua sent off. We don't know he did get him sent off. I don't know if it just to hit the moment thing, but I thought it was very clever because I'm assuming he had an inkling since he was the one that was fouled that Earl was on a yellow card, and he thought, well, if I just kick off with this other guy, this guy's near him. I wonder what will happen. If he didn't do that purposefully, he's pulled a masterstroke either way. Um, but I was actually really impressed with Aidan O'Brien, um, and I, I hope he keeps proving me wrong. Yeah. Um, Aidan McGeady, 
Obviously, he's been in great form since Lee Johnson came in and got another assist yesterday for Ledbetter's goal, albeit it was a much more simple assist than we've seen recently um, from the short free kick. But other than that assist, I don't think he had really any real impact on the game. Um, you know, he's still need on the ball, as you'd expect him to be. Um, but we've seen better performances and it's it's probably harsh because I think if this was any other player, he'd be getting a 7 or 8 out of 10. But because it's Aidan McGeady, we know how good he actually is. We know exactly what he's capable of. I don't think he showed as much as I've seen from him yesterday. Um, so I've, I've went with a 6 for McGeady, John. Yeah, I've gone with uh, seven. Um, I thought he was. I thought he was good. Um, everything that everything good that we did uh, mainly sort of came through him. Um, he got the assist uh, for the goal, which which looks pretty simple. But if you if you can see um, from a different camera angle, um, Power and Ledbetter are on the edge of the box, and he actually he actually orders Max Power to go into the box, which takes the defender into the into the box and leaves Ledbetter sort of you know with a good ten yards of space to to get shot away. So he creates that a little bit more than. You know, just a simple pass, and not, you know, not many players are going to see and do that in our team. Um, but yeah, I was, I was quite impressed with him. You got given the, um, you know, he's playing two games a week now. He's, you know, he's he's thirty four. Um, that's that's going to catch up with him uh, sometime. So he's not going to be, you know, sort of sprinting round and and skinning players like he was, you know, ending careers like he was against yeah. Doncaster. Um, but yeah, I give him a seven. I thought he was good. Yeah, great for you. Same for me. Seven again. Um... I just really like watching Aidan McGeady when he's in that mood. I just feel like you watch him and there's certain players that you would like pay to watch. I know we all pay to watch Sunderland anyway, but like, you know where I'm coming from. There's certain players that you just go, God, you're you're just like, you do things that other players on this pitch can't do, like the Sessegnons, the Malbronx and and McGeady at this level is right up there. Like I just, there was a point yesterday where he was just walking but his feet were that fast. The Burton defender was just like, I don't know what's happening here. Um, there was also that opportunity where I think he put it onto his left foot and he curled it just past the post. He got an assist again. I, I think it's absolutely bizarre, but also not that unexpected. And it says everything, the fact that no one's that surprised that he's got the joint top assists in League One. He's got nine assists and he's played... He missed the first three, four months as well, didn't he? He's only started in December. He's like he's not even yeah. done three months, and I know he got four in one game, but like it's still like he's got five assists outside of like that one outstanding performance he had. Which I mean, Phil Parkinson must be watching this and thinking, "Hang on, did I get that wrong?" Because if he still thinks he made the right decision by ostracizing him, and I mean, if Aidan McGeady was that much of a problem in the dressing room, I think there would have been other players that would have spoke up about now and it seems to me like everyone quite likes him you can see them speak Every, everyone seems Instagram. happy when he gets an assist everyone you know yeah. he scored a goal everyone goes towards him you know I think I always went back to the, the penalty shootout as well um, Ledbetter scored that penalty but out of everybody on that pitch Aidan McGeady is the happiest out of everybody that we've got to a final and I think that really shows you know the ambition that he actually has at this club I think I think the winner's a winner because if you think where he is and what he's done in his career and the fact that he's done it for his his boyhood club in Celtic, um, it, in a sense, if he's the kind of character that people sometimes say he is, would he not just be like going, oh, well, fair enough, I've got six months left in the enemy contract. I'll just I'll do a little bit of stuff here and and play now and again, and and then we'll just see where it happens at the end of the season. I've achieved everything I've wanted to achieve in my career, but he seems to be just like up in the ante even more. He just seems to be enjoying himself. Um, and I think any I would I will, I'll fight 
fight anyone who tells me that Aidan McGeady is not the best player in this division. I'll quite literally fight them yeah. because he's <laughs> far and wide the best, most technically gifted player that this division. I mean, right, someone's going to prove you, me you've wrong. You've got the here. haircut now as well, so you'd have definitely win have, that fight. I have. I wouldn't last very long. Like I'm not, not as tough as that allegedly look these days, but um, <laughs> I'd probably still need an O'Brien just wait till someone launches me over the bollards. But... Um, <laughs> I think with McGeady, and someone's going to point something out here, right? And someone's going to say, well, what about that guy? But I can't think of a more technically gifted player in this division in my lifetime as Aidan McGeady. Um, moving on to the last player, uh, Charlie Wyke. Another goal. You know, he's having an absolutely fantastic season, which two seasons ago, if I told you that, if I told you Wyke's going to potentially get upwards of 30 goals in a season, you know, I'd probably be sent in a mental hospital. Um, but He's looking like he is. Um, I think the last player we had to score this many goals in a season plus is Darren Bent, I believe. Um, correct me on that if I'm wrong, but I think it was Darren Bent. Yeah. Um, and still in eight games left to go as well. So, you know, if he can keep scoring, there's no reason why he can't hit 30, possibly even 40 goals in a season, which would be outstanding. But his hold-up play this season, and again yesterday, was just really good to watch. Um you know, you can really see the confidence that he's playing with when a ball was sent in it was chest. He chested the ball down, took a touch and just played a neat ball out wide, got himself in the box. And that's how a lot of his goals have come this season. So, again, I've given him a 7 out of 10. Um, yeah, John? Uh, I've gone with an 8. I thought he was I thought he was very good yesterday. Um, obviously, I've, I've obviously given him man the match with my highest rating. Um, but, yeah, I thought his, his hold-up play throughout the whole game was good. Normally, you get sort of, you know, maybe a, a few fits and starts. Um but he's looking confident. Um, he's bullying players, um, and even in the second half, um, with you know, with his with his confidence, I just there was just a, a confidence, almost a cockiness from me that I just thought he's going to score. He is just going to score. That's just what he does. Charlie Wagg is going to score in in every game, and that's you know that's credit to him. Like you say, if you'd have said that last season, we'd have all we'd have all laughed at it. But yeah, yesterday I thought. I thought he was very, very good um, with his hold-up play, like, like his all-round game, which is why I gave him an eight. Yeah, and Graham, for you? I'm the same. Um, I'm an eight for Charlie Wegg. I think it would have been quite easy to um, it would have been quite easy for us to to look at it and go, yeah, yeah, he played well. That was good. But yeah, his, his performance was actually phenomenal. Like he. The one thing that used to really frustrate me about Charlie Wegg in every season prior to this one was how weak he was. I could have tore my hair out the amount of times he was just shoved off the ball or he complained for a foul and just looked weak as anything in the two two seasons beforehand. He now looks like an absolute man-mountain and he's got a little bit of pace about him, which I never really kind of seen. But he's just like, you know, like John said, he bullies players. He just wins every header. He's bringing things down on his chest. Like... The goal he scored on on Wednesday against Lincoln, that was superb. That like, I mean, the way he got in front of his man in a little header, like, um, he's nowhere near the quality. He, he missed an win. easier chance, literally thirty seconds did. before as well, didn't he? That was a yeah. harder chance than the one he actually missed. That should have flew in the back of the net, and and I mean, that's probably going to accentuate the point I've I've just made. But he's nowhere near, nowhere near the level of someone like Nal Quinn. But it was a Nal Quinn esque header. That he that he put in yeah. um, on on Wednesday, and he's called yesterday was good. It was just like total instinct. I'm pleased that Lee Johnson seems to have um, taken the opposite view of, of Phil Parkinson. Phil Parkinson almost seen was a, a lump that if you score that's fine, but like I want you to get up off to like the Gooches and the Maguires and and the players around yeah. you and stuff like that. Um, 
it seems to me that Lee Johnson sees him as a player that can hold the ball up. He can bully people, but he's he's also this person that can like press defenders and get in behind. And he's a bit of a poacher. And um, as good as he was in the, the Doncaster game, scoring four goals, which is like a ten out of ten performance, you can't really not you can't do more than that. Um, I thought yesterday he was really good and. Um, I'm quite surprised more people haven't been rating him as man of the match. Dion Sanderson would have been mine. Um, but after that, Charlie White, without a doubt, I thought he was phenomenal from minute one to when he went off. Yeah. And just quickly moving on to man of the match, Dion Sanderson um, for Graham. John, you do go with Charlie White. Actually. Yeah, I've gone with White. I'll give him the highest rating. Uh, probably a little bit harsh on Sanderson. Um, but yeah, I'll give it to White. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, our next game is on Tuesday night against Simon Grayson's Fleetwood Town. Um, we'll just do predictions for that one because we are getting on a bit of time. Uh, so, Graham, first up for you, predictions for Tuesday night? Uh, uh, <laughs> I hate Fleetwood. Um, I hate playing <laughs> them. Um, but Barton's gone, but Grayson's come in, so uh, I don't know. 2-0 um, Sunderland. 2-0. But I'm not um, yeah, I'll go three 0 I can't. I was going to say two 0 but I'll be Graham. I'll go three 0 <laughs> So Graham's not confident with a two 0 I'm ashamed we'll have to be very confident three 0 then, John. Yeah, it's got to be. We're at home, aren't we? So the hoodoo's gone now. Let's just let's just steamroll teams now every game and everything's rosy, isn't it? it certainly is. Well, that is all we have time for today. Um, appreciate you coming on, Graham and John. Thanks for asking me. No problem. Yeah, cheers for all. Um, we will be back again at some point on Wednesday to talk about the Fleetwood game and hopefully another win. Um, but... I'm a bit of a bit, I'm a bit, that's all, folks.